Amen. Amen, church. Oh, can you guys hear me okay? Sounds okay. All right. Amen, church. Uh, thank you guys again for being here. Um, for being here for this Wednesday, this midweek Bible study. And today I am teaching uh, lesson 13, Importunity and Prayer. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and get started. If you have the worksheet or if you have your Bible, uh, please turn to Luke chapter 11. And uh, in the worksheet, it's, it goes Luke chapter 11, uh, verses 1 through 13. I'm, I'm actually going to break that up a little bit. Uh, so so uh, please be patient with me and um, I'll be going somewhere with that. So I'm going to first read uh, verse 1 through 5. And it says, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray and as teach us to pray as John has taught his disciples. And he said, and Jesus, this is Jesus speaking, said unto him, when ye pray, say our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Give us, give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to, to us and lead us not into temptations, but deliver us from evil. So if you can bow your head for the reading of the word. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God. I thank you for another day of life, Lord. I thank you for another opportunity uh, to be here, God, and to, to preach and teach your word and and to receive your message today, God, I ask that, that you just be here with, with us today. Let your spirit pour out over this place, God. And whatever your message is, uh, God, may it be received today by those that are listening. May it be heard by those that may need it, God. And may it, be, may it pier pierce the heart that those that need a change in their life, Lord God, I thank you again for all that you do and what you will continue to do from here on out. And we say this in your mighty, powerful name, Jesus, amen. 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 Sorry about that. Um, so I, I, I broke it up into pieces. So I first wanted to talk about, uh, verses one through five, cause I, I feel like it's important. And so, um, what Jesus was doing is he, he, he was teaching, he was teaching the disciples how to pray and, and he broke it down into three teachings. He, he broke it down. Th there was a model on how to pray. Uh, and I'm speaking um, of, of the whole uh, verse one through 13, but I'm going to break down one through five first. So he was teaching them first how to pray. And then he, he gave them a parable uh, about prayer. And then he tells them, what's your reward in praying? So in the model, uh, uh, Jesus invites his disciples to get personal with God, uh, to get a personal connection. So he tells them, to say, to call him your father, like, like a child will call out to his loving parent. The child will say father or, or mother. He, he's trying to, to get the disciples to understand there's a personal connection in prayer between you and God above. So then Jesus tells them to keep his name holy, to, to honor him. Our father, hallowed be thy name. And then from there, he tells them, or once that happens, once you once you have that personal connection with God and once you honor his name, then his will will come down from earth or on earth as it is in heaven. And then he says. Uh, give us this day our daily bread or day to day, give us our daily bread. What that means is, you know, we we. We think about what we need to survive. We think about the food that we eat on a daily basis. We need that to survive. So in prayer, not only are we making the personal connection with God, we're honoring his name. We we're telling him, God, let your will be done on earth as you have it in heaven. Yeah. And once you do that, God, continue to feed us daily, our daily bread, what we need to sustain, to survive, to live on a daily basis. Yeah. We need that, Lord. Please 
give that to me on a daily basis. And also help us, God, to fight the temptations that we're going to face on a daily basis. So when we come into prayer, when we're talking about praying and we're talking about uh, having that connection to God, we the first thing that we want to do is make sure that we make that personal connection with him. We And then we want to make sure that we're honoring his name. And from there, we're asking God, before we go to him with our stuff, we're saying, God, let your will be done. That you ha- Let your will be done on earth as you have in heaven. And continue to sustain me, God, with what, what I need to live. Because it's not what I think I need to live. Yeah. It's what you think I need to live. It's what you say that I need to live. Because what I think I need to live is not your will. It's it's not the will of God. We have our own temptations. We have our own ideas. And when we start thinking for ourselves is when we start to get in trouble. So as we come into prayer, there's a proper way. And Jesus is trying to tell his disciples, this is the proper way you pray before you start going with your own petitions to the Lord. So I wanted to break that down and I I wanted to, to talk about that before I get into the importunity in prayer, because that's also important. And that's what the second part uh, of this, of this, um, for for uh, verses one through 13 comes in. So I'm going to go ahead and read that, but I'm going to read it in the amplified version. And so it's in, it's, it's verse five. It says, um, this is the parable. He says, then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine who is on a journey has just come to visit me and I have nothing to serve him. And from inside, he and from inside, this is the man who's who's in his house. From inside, he answers, do not bother me. The door has already been shut and my children are in bed. I cannot I cannot get up and give you anything. Then Jesus says, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything just because he is friends, yet because of his persistent, the persistent of the man that's asking and boldness, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. Says, so I say to you, ask and keep on asking. Excuse me, I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to stop before uh, verse nine, because I want to talk about that piece real quick. So in, in, in those days, in those times, um, hospitality was key. Hospitality was very important. Um, you know, you wanted to make sure that dealing with friends, you're, you're, you're hospitable. You, you, you are willing to, to give them what they need at times. So here you have a man in the middle of the night, sleep already. And before you get to him, you have the man who is asking. Now, the man who was asking got an un- unexpected visitor, someone that just came to his house. So as the man who's, who we're talking about, as the man who is asking the neighbor, you want to make sure that you have enough food to feed that visitor, the unexpected, whether he's unexpected or not. This is what, what they, they said. You, that was your standard. You wanted to make sure if someone came to your house, no matter if you were expecting them or not, that you were able to provide for them. So this man realizing, hey, I don't have enough food. I need to go and ask. Now, I don't know about a lot of you guys, but sometimes I have a hard time asking people for stuff, especially when it's a need. Now, that's my own issues. That's my own things that I deal with. But a lot of people feel like that. They feel ashamed. They feel like, man, I can't go and do that. Like, what if they say no? What if they reject me? I I don't, what am I supposed to do? I don't have enough to feed the visitor, but I don't have the courage or the nerve enough to go and ask my neighbor, hey, can I get some of your food? Because I got someone at my house that I need to feed and provide for. Maybe you don't want to look like you can't provide. Whatever that mindset is, a lot of people won't do what this man is did. So he came to his neighbor at night when they're sleeping 
saying with boldness, no shame, hey, can I borrow some food? Can I get some food? I have a visitor here I can't provide for. Can I get some food? And so this man says, dude, I'm already in bed. I'm not going to get up. My kids are asleep. I'm comfortable. I'm not getting up to give you food. Now, it doesn't it doesn't go on, but I'm assuming this man keeps on asking. I'm assuming I'm assuming this man didn't just ask one time and that's it. Oh, man, he ain't, get, he ain't got no food. I'm sure he's like, I know Brother Greg has some food. I know he got some food. I, I was in his fridge. So I'm going to keep asking. No, listen, man, I got a friend here. I need to provide some food for I don't want to look like I'm not hospitable. I need to give this man some food. Can you help me? Now, the Bible says that he didn't get up because that was his friend. He said he he didn't get up because, man, that's that's my that's my boy right there. Let me go ahead and help him out. I don't want him to look like a fool. But he said they said that because he was persistent. And kept asking that the man was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to just go give it to him. Now, now, look at this for a second. So you have one person who has an unexpected visitor and he's trying to be hospitable. He's trying to make sure he accommodates for his friend. And then you have the man who was refusing to give him food. What does that man look like who refuses to give him food? What, what does he look like? He looks selfish. He looks greedy. There's, there, he will be looked at in town as a disgrace. Like, man, you can't even help your boy out? Like, I could imagine pastor calling me one day in need, rain pouring, and it's like, hey, man, I need someone to help me come and help me change a tire. And I'm like, dude, I'm already in bed, Pastor. I'm sorry. I, I can't help you. What would I look like the next day in church? Amongst my peers, amongst my friends. Like, dang, he couldn't even go help. That's what this man was facing. And so instead, because he was a friend, he said, I don't want to look bad. I'm going to do it. That's important. So then Jesus goes on. He says, so I say to you, ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking and the doors will be open to you. For everyone who keeps on asking persistently receives and he who keeps on seeking persistently finds. And to him who keeps on knocking persistently, the door will be open. He said, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, that is sinful by nature, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask and continues to ask him. So remember, in the beginning, I said, when you pray, you talk to the God by calling him your father. So if your father, with, and, and like the Bible says, what father in here, what father among you, if his son asks for fish, will give him snake instead of a fish? So if me as an earthly father is willing to give my son everything that I, I have for him to provide and I'm sinful by nature, imagine what God would give to those who are persistent in, in prayer to him, who, who will continue to, to ask persistently, who will continue to knock persistently, who will continue to seek persistently. What what do you think he will give you? So that's important. It's important to break it down in layers so we can understand it better. So to get to lesson 13, we're starting lesson 13 now. It says one of the most valuable lessons we can learn about prayer is the import, importunity 
plays a key role in obtaining answers. Pastor joked earlier he thought it meant important. Importunity means shameless, persistent, and requesting or demanding. Importunate means to, to be troublesome, to trouble with the request or demands to ask for urgently. Being persistent and unrelenting for wrong things accomplishes nothing with God. There is a manner, a way, or a method of prayer. It says, see Matthew 6, 9. We're going to go there real quick. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Let's just re, re going over it a little bit. And it says, pray then in this way, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So again, remember, I, t- I was telling you to, to create the personal connection with him and then to make sure you honor his name. That's important. Those first two steps are important. He, he wouldn't have said it first if he didn't if he didn't think those two were important. It is essential for us to eradicate hindering elements from our prayers. If we want to, if we want great things from God, so before we get into importunity, we're going to talk about what can hinder us in prayer. And that's important because if we continue to pray and we're not receiving answers or we feel like we're not receiving answers, then we need to figure out, is anything on this list something that I'm going through that's stopping my prayer? So it says when we remove those these known hindrance, we are ready to pers- to persist and preserve. Uh, oh, excuse me, to persist and persevere in prayer until the answer comes. So, first thing it says: imp- in, uh, improper husband-wife relationships, contention, strife, and disharmony in a home affects one's prayer. Sin in our lives, being hypocritical or actively actively engaging in sinful practices and never repenting will stop the answer to our prayers. And we'll go to Isaiah. Fifty nine real quick. Isaiah uh, chapter fifty nine, verses one. Through two, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor his ears so impaired that it cannot hear. But your wickedness has separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so he does not hear. So that's why it's important, because our sinful acts, our sinful nature will separate us from God. Our sins... uh, will hide his face from us. The next thing is not asking according to the will of God. So God's will in this context is his word. Neither are we to ask God for things contrary to his will for our personal lives. We must consider his word and his plan for our lives when we pray. So don't go out asking God for a billion dollars. If that's not his will for you. Wavering. Uh, Hindrance number four, wavering. James said to not be double minded. To not doubt, be hesitant or uh, stagger at God's promises when we pray. He says, ask in faith without doubting and the answer will come. Unbelief. This is good. And it doubles, double back or double downs on doubt. Doubt is one of the biggest hindrance we have to fight in our prayer lives. And, and, you know, doubt, doubt comes from our past experiences. Doubt comes from our mistakes. Doubt comes from our childhood upbringings. Uh, Comparisons with others. New challenges that we face. Doubt comes with fear, fear of failure and also fear of success. We have to be careful to not allow doubt to creep into our, our hearts and our minds, um, not even if we pray, but in our everyday life. You know, we, we, we can find ourselves uh, afraid to do things 
A, because we doubt our own capabilities, and B, because we doubt that God will give us what we're asking for. The next thing is unforgiveness. Forgiveness must emanate from our hearts while we are praying. Failure to forgive hinders our prayer. So I want to go to Matthew's uh, chapter 18 and verse 35. So it says. Excuse me, I apologize. We're going to go to Mark 11, uh, verse 23 through 26. Here we go. So this is Jesus. He says, have faith in God. He says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whoever says to, to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt and, and does not doubt in his heart, meaning he does not doubt in God's unlimited power, but believes that what he says is going to take place, it will be done for him in accordance to God's will. I'm reading in the Amplified Version. For this reason, I am telling you, whatever, whatever things you ask for in prayer, in accordance with God's will, believe with confident, with confident trust that you have received them and they will be given to you. Whenever you stand praying, he says, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. It says, drop the issue and let it go so that your father who is in heaven will also forgive you. Forgive you and your transgressions and wrongdoings against him and others. Says, but if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive you for your transgressions. So that last part, if you're not willing to forgive others in your heart, God's not going to forgive you. So if you're in prayer and you're asking, you're praying like and you keep saying, like, why doesn't God fix this? Why doesn't God answer my prayers? Well, do you have unforgiveness in your heart? You have to let that go. Failure to use his name, failure, failure to use the name of Jesus. It says all power in heaven and on earth is in Jesus Christ. His titles and attributes are good to call in prayer, but we should never forget that the power is in the name of Jesus Christ when we call on him in faith. The next hindrance, not asking or asking amiss. The word amiss means unbecoming. Not befitting, incorrect and wrong. Some never ask, therefore no answers come. Others ask, but for a wrong purpose. Remember before, no, don't ask God for a billion dollars if you just plan on doing something wrong with it. <laughs> that's not what that's there for. Number nine, disobedience to God's word. Keeping his commandments is essential if we expect God to continue to answer our prayers. Unthankfulness, failure to be thankful for past and present blessings can stop the flow of future blessings. And this one, I, I kind of compare it to, to us um, as humans. If we continue to do something for someone and we don't get thankful, thanks for it, are we willing to do it again the next time? Are we willing to go out of our way to help that individual? When, and, and you know what's funny? Because all it is is a simple thank you. And that's hard for people. There's people where it's hard to say thanks for stuff that people have gone, given to them. Some people expect. Some people are entitled. You know, that's a, a Bible study for in itself. <laughs> but we have to be thankful to God for whatever he does. That, Every time I pray, and this is just me personally, I thank God for what he's done already and what he will do in the future. Because I know where I was before. 
And I know the impact that he had in my life. And I know the things that he helped me through personally to make me the man that I am today. So I am thankful for little things, for big things, for everything. Because my God is that powerful. Number, number 11, lack of power with, with God. Prayer is a generator of power in our lives. There is no lack on God's part when it comes to the power. But for his power to work in our lives, we must continue to pray and to walk in the spirit. That's important. We can't always just pray when we want something. We must give God thanks daily for all that he does for us. Number 12. Improper motives, praying to be seen, praying to be seen of people using vain repetitions and trying to be heard through much speaking or improper motives. If we have the proper motives when asking God for things, the answer will come. This one, I'm going to go to Matthew 6. Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, also, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray publicly, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, so that they may be seen by men. He said, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, they, have al- they, they already have their reward in full. He says, but when you pray, go into your most private room, close the door and pray to your father who is who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not use meaningless repetitions as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. So do not be like them praying as they do, for your father knows what you need before you ask. And, and, and that's important, too, because, again, it's talking about praying for the right reason. Um, we don't want to pray publicly just for a show. We don't want to make God, we don't want to make Jesus a spectacle. You know, we want to make sure that we're coming to him honestly, sincerely, humbly. Because he will respond to that. So those were the hindrance that they talked about that can can stop our prayers from being answered. The importunity factor in prayer. Prayer made and prayers answered are two vastly different things. God wants to bless us to give people the Holy Ghost and to supply our needs. But there is a biblical principle of importunity in prayer. Labor and time saving devices. Excuse me. Labor and time-saving devices applicable to other projects never apply to prayer. Prayer, praying is enjoyable and rewarding, but it's also hard work and taxing to the flesh. You ever been in prayer before where your body just felt like it's heavy? That's what they mean. When I got so much going on and I'm down on my knees and I'm crying and I'm, I'm, I'm crying to God, I don't care who's around me. I just know it's me and my God and I'm struggling and I'm going through something and my body just feels, feels heavy. That's what they mean by it's taxing to the flesh. Never should we feel repulsed, meaning pushed back or turned away when we do not get the desired results in prayer. It says being timid, bashful, or easily discouraged in praying and prayer will not bring needed answers. It says unabashed determination and, and stamina are necessary for opening heaven's door. We are we are we are time conscious since our time is measured in terms of dollars and cents. As a result, our busy, rushed society has reduced prayer time to pitiful proportions. It says, oh, for a fresh awakening to the, to the value of time spent in prayer, meaning that it's very important, but in this day and age, with 
the hustle and bustle of life, we kind of push it to the side. We say it's not that important. Says its rewards surpass the highest compensations humans can pay. If you are discouraged with your prayer life, perhaps these examples will inspire you to go to God again and again until the answer comes. First example is examples of the three loaves. Says this example teaches us how to pray in relation in relation to persistence. In this case, the friendship factor. Says did not work, but the importunity factor did. God is is our dearest friend, but what friendships what friendships will not produce, importunity will. So what that means is like, yes, God is our friend, but when friendship is not enough, I'm going to continue to ask, and I'm going to continue to ask, and I'm going to continue to ask, and I'm going to continue to ask until my prayers are answered. So there's there's no shame in asking for something when the request is for a good cause no matter how embarrassed we may feel or, or think the situation is, if it's for a good cause, there's no shame in asking. The unjust judge. God, our, our, God, our judge, is just. If a widow cannot could move the heart of an unjust judge with persistent, what can we do with our God using the same method? So again, you're speaking to people who, who don't care. They don't care about you. They don't, they're not in it for you. So you asking don't really mean nothing to them. But because you persistently ask, you continue to come back. You continue to ask and you continue to seek. You continue to knock. Uh, To them, they're like, I'd rather just do it and get it over with. I'd rather just do it to get this person away. So they're saying if, uh, if, if that same method will work on an unjust person, someone who don't really care, someone who's not really in it for you. What do you think that would do, that same method would do if you continue to ask God, who is a just God, who does care, who does love you, what do you think will happen when you continue to push and knock and seek with him versus when you do it with someone else? He's going to give. He's going to reward that. He looks for that. In those time of needs, in those time of struggles, in those times of desperation, he's he's going to answer that prayer. So we have to. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about importunity. It's that annoying. It's that continue. It's that see. I'm gonna just continue to ask over and over and over again. Until you give me an answer. Until you until you reward me. Until you bless me. And we will get to that one in <laughs> towards the end. But until you bless me, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to fight. I'm going to continue to share and pour out. Why is that important? Why 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 do why am I so aggressive with that? It's because we as people naturally like to shy away. We naturally like to be like, I don't want to bother. I don't. And God is saying, I don't reward that. If you're looking for me, if you're seeking something from me, come to me and ask. Pray. Fight for it. Fight for it. Don't be afraid. Don't be shameful. Whatever you're going through. People at home who's watching, whatever you're going through, whatever your struggle is, depression, addiction, um, abuse, whatever it is, pray to God. Continue until you until he changes your situation, until he changes your life. You know, when I was younger in my mid-20s, I battled depression. I don't really share that with a lot of people. Like I said, I deal with my own problems. I deal with my own shame and guilt. But I dealt with depression. It works me up even now. I tried to commit suicide. I tried to end my life. 
I went through the process. If you don't know what that means, let me explain it to you. I had a gun. It was loaded. It was cocked back. And I pulled the trigger. Obviously, you know what happened because I'm still here. Why is that? God spared me. Did I know then? No. I was a lost, troubled young man. But I know now that God put me here for a reason. What's that reason? I'm here teaching God's word. I tell you right now, church, I tell you right now, people at home, I would never have thought I'd do it. Never. I was a prideful person. I liked to run the streets. I did drugs and alcohol. God changed my life. God showed me another way. God blessed me with a son. The love that a child gives their parents is powerful. It's powerful, church. Imagine what God's love does for you when you truly know it, when you truly accept it, when you truly seek it. That's my testimony. The Gentile woman, what a story. An outsider, a Gentile, made such an impact on the master with her unabashed request on behalf of her daughter that Jesus just could not say no. And and I'm going to read this because this is powerful. So Matthew's, Matthew 15, 21 through 28. It says, after leaving there, Jesus withdrew to the district of, I always mess this word up, Tyre and Sidon. And a a Canaanite woman from the district came out and began to cry out. The reason I want to read it in Matthew because I feel like it gives it a little bit more details and and it's it's important. It um, came out and began to cry out urgently saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. She went to titles right away. O Lord, son of David, Messiah, my daughter is cruelly possessed by a demon. It says, but he did not say a word in answer to her. And then his disciples came and asked him repeatedly, send her away because she keeps shouting, shouting out after us. And then this is when Jesus answered. He said, I was commissioned by God and sent only to the to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She came back. She was persistent, but she came and began to kneel down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And then he replied again, it is not good or it's not appropriate or it's not fair to take the children's bread and throw it to the pet dogs. Why do you use pet dogs? Back then, the Jews and the Gentiles didn't get along. So they had the derogatory terms for each other. They used to call the Gentiles dogs. She said, yes, Lord, but even the pet dogs eat the crumbs that fall from from their tables, from their young master's table. Then Jesus answered her, woman, your faith. Meaning your personal trust and confidence in my power is great. It will be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed from that moment. That's a a great story. That's like one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Because she was persistent. She kept pushing. Even through the insults. Even even through the, the criticism. Even through the ridicule. No one likes being called a name. Derogatory name. And imagine coming from Jesus. But she was persistent. She kept pushing. She flipped it. Even the dogs would eat whatever little bit that's left on the ground. Even the dogs would eat that. She said, I just need a little bit of your power. 
I have so much faith in what you can do that even a little bit of you is enough, sufficient. I don't want the whole of you. I just want a little bit. Jesus was, he, he was astonished by that. He was like, wow. He said, your faith, woman, your faith. And, and the reason why I read it in the Amplified Version, because I like this part. It says, your personal trust and confidence in my power. Again, you're talking about someone who was in this whole setting where they're sitting down with a bunch of Jews, a Gentile coming who knew what was going to happen to her, who knew who knew what people were going to say about her, who knew what people were going like people were going to talk under their breath. She knew all of that and she didn't care. I just want a little bit of you, Lord. I just want a little I just want a piece of you, God. I I don't I don't I'm not here for a show. I'm not here to sit next to you. I'm not here to to cross something off on my bucket list. I'm, I'm God. I'm here because my my daughter is in need. The the prayers of a mother is so powerful. The daughter the the it was funny. Um, when when my son was a was a kid was a baby. He he was uh he was laying down in the crib. He, he he's here, so he's looking at me crazy. Like, what's this story? Um, but he was laying down in his crib, and and his foot got stuck. His foot got stuck in the crib, and his mom was at home, and I believe I was at work, and and she's not here, so I can tell this story. Um, his mom was at home, and she hears the cry. She hears his cry. He's crying. His he, he's not speaking. He's just a baby, but his foot got stuck. And and she's telling me this, and she's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. So what is she? She runs over there. She rips the, she breaks the wood that is holding his feet together and just breaks it. She just, she just snaps it. Gets him out. He's safe. He's protected. Oh, my God, my baby. So I get home, and she's telling me this story. His foot was stuck. I didn't know what to do. This, this, and that. So, so I broke it. And, and me, the logical thinker that I am, I was like, well, why didn't you just turn his foot and move it out? Like, why, why do you have to break this? <laughs> you didn't have to do that. But because she was, she was so afraid, because she was so fearful, that she was like, I will do anything to make this pain stop in my child. I'm just going to break this. She probably couldn't break that without that incident happening. She probably wouldn't have been able to do that just regular. But the pain, the anguish that she felt for her child, she said, I don't care what I got to do. I'm going to snap this to make this stop. What do you think God is willing to do with the pain and the anguish that his people are going through every single day to make it stop? What power does he have? And if you believe and have faith in that, he's going to change it in your life. He said, woman, your faith, your personal trust in me, the personal belief in my power that you would do all of this. You will come to a place where you're not even supposed to be at and they're going to talk about you. They're going to clown you. They're going to do whatever to, to embarrass and humiliate you. And all you come in here and asking me is for crumbs that fall on the ground? Your faith is power. Your faith and belief in me is so powerful. It's done. I give you what you ask for. She goes home and her daughter is sitting on the couch. Or whatever they had back then. That's power. That's importunity in prayer. That's coming to the altar and saying, I don't care who sees me wailing and yelling and screaming and crying out to God. They're not there right now. It's me and my father. And I have this personal connection. And God, I'm asking you to change my life. I'm asking you to fix my situation. I'm asking you to help me through this. God, I'm asking you to bring my child home. God, I'm asking you to repair my marriage. God, I'm asking you 
I'm asking prayers for my family. God, I'm asking you to heal the sick. God, I'm asking you to do all of this and I'm going to continue to do it. And I'm going to continue to do it. And I'm going to continue to do it until you change in my life. That's what that means. That's faith in him. That's confidence and trust in his power. Prayer changes things, church. It changes things. It says unceasing, prevailing, intercessory prayers can change the following. It says it can change us. Prayers alter our attitudes, alter our spirits and conduct and and conduct to align them with God's word. Study the effect of prayer upon these individuals when they pray. They have a list of uh, uh, scriptures that you can go to. I won't go through them all. I'll continue to move on. Says prayer changes God. Says God's internal purpose is unchangeable, but through through prayer, God has been moved to extend mercy when he was ready to pour out the wrath. What mercy would would what mercy we could obtain for ourselves and for others if we would pray without ceasing? Prayer changes others. Intercessory prayer for those who will not or cannot pray can affect them dramatically. When we pray for others, things can change in the life of the person for whom we we pray. And so it gives other examples uh, through scriptures of intercessory prayer. It says our our world needs a soul-saving revival that only God can give us. It says let us unite our faith, harmonize our efforts, and preserve and persevere in prayer until it comes. If we pursue opportunities but neglect importunity, our world will sink deeper in sin. I'm going to get ready to close. I want to, before I close, I'm going to read Genesis. I told you guys we're going to... I'm going to get to that part. I'm going to read Genesis chapter 32, verses 24 through 32. And and this is uh, the story of Jacob and Esau. This this is is, uh, the, the moment when Jacob wrestles with God. And it says, so Jacob was left alone in a man came and wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he had not prevailed against Jacob, he touched his hip joint and Jacob's hip was dislocated as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you declare a blessing on me. So he asked him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. He said, your name shall no longer be Jacob but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And he declared a blessing, a covenant, a promise on Jacob there. So Jacob named that place Benal, the face of God saying, for I have seen God's face to face, yet my life has not been snatched away. (laughs) Jacob was a deceiver since birth. He lived his whole life as a deceiver. He did whatever he had to do to survive, to get what he wanted. He stole the birthright from his brother, And he continued on from there. He wanted to go back home. But he knew he was going to have to face his brother. And still he was trying to deceive. I was going to bring him an offering. Now I'm going to split it in two and and send it around. This is is Jacob trying to come. How how can I do this so, so, so I don't get killed by my brother? My brother was marching towards me with 400 men. 
But then he was left alone. And I feel like this is where, where Jacob, I'll get to it. He, he, he was left alone. And I feel like that's when he prayed. He was like, God, I need answers. I need help. Help me. And it says a, a, a man approached him or a figure approached him. And when I was doing some studying on this, I read something that I thought was interesting. And it said, Jacob didn't approach the man. The man approached Jacob. So Jacob didn't initiate the wrestling. God will approach us in our prayers. And we have to hold on. We have to fight. We have to wrestle. And we have to hold on tight and not let go. The, the part where it says he, he touched his hip and, and and it was hip, his hip got dislocated. That's an important part. <laughs> because in that moment, Jacob was broken. Jacob was a prideful person. He was a deceiver. He, he, he lived his life depending on his wit and himself. And at the point of brokenness, at the point of brokenness in our lives, that's where we depend on God. That's when God is looking for us to hold on to him. God, I'm broken. I'm hurt. I'm at my wit's end. I don't know what to do. I need you, Lord. And the brokenness is when the, the humility is gone. It's when the selfishness is gone. It, it, it's The brokenness is where we hold on to God and we should not let go until he changes our lives. Now, this man obviously was stronger than Jacob. He probably could have tossed him at any point in time. I mean, if a single touch on his hip would dislocate him, I can only imagine this man could have just easily got him off. So what was the struggle? What, what was the, the wrestling for? Jacob needed to do that. That was Jacob that needed to do that. that. He didn't need to wrestle with Jacob. Jacob needed to do that to him. He needed to say, no, I'm no longer going to depend on myself. I'm no longer going to deceive. I'm no longer going to live that life. I'm, and then I'm not going to let you go. God wants to see the fight in you. He wants to see you fight. He wants to see you work to change your life. That's what he wants. And it's up to us as individuals to say, I'm not going to let go until you change me. Thank you, church.